Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium of Maine podcast. I am uh, Michael Spath, filling in for Justin Rowe. Uh, and joining me here today, uh, an old colleague, one of, my, one of my favorite people, Matt the Miz Misler, who I worked with at uh, WTK Inside the Huddle for three plus years uh, and a uh, great opportunity to, to bring him back onto our podcast and just uh, talk, you know, everything. We're going to do a smorgasbord uh, type of episode here today. So, Miz, thank you for joining me. Absolutely, Mike. It's, it's First off, it's it's good to see you, obviously, you know, through through the power of Zoom, and uh, it's it's great to, you know, great to hear from you. Obviously, you know, usually uh, uh, nowadays uh, I'll hear you on the podcast when, when you join uh, Sam and Ira uh, on the morning show, but to, to, to hear you, live and see you in person you know by way of the great power of the internet it's, <laughs> it's good man it, it, it feels good it, it feels it's a, as normal as you can get at this point i like it well miss how are you doing man i mean like you know a lot has changed in, in my life um obviously you know i'm, I'm bummed disappointed the that inside the huddle is not going on but um you know i i've kept track with you a little bit here and there probably not as much as i i should have but following you on social media um, you seem to really have taken to TikTok. <laughs> you can uh, you you can blame Madison Rally on that one. That was like uh, when. So let's kind of back up to 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 March when everything kind of when everything started to go to hell. That's uh, probably the best way to say it. Uh, just to try to find time to just to occupy myself at home because there was a lot of working from home. Um, you know, we obviously we had Anthony filling in for me when I was uh, put on furlough at the station. But one of the th- one of the things that I was told to to do to occupy my time at home, I was told, "Hey, why don't you download this TikTok thing? It's uh, you know, the people that are, that are doing stuff on there is pretty funny." I'm like, you know what? I've seen about, I've heard about it. I've seen things mold, you know, mold around. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. I pulled the trigger and I started to watch it and i'm like uh those are some funny things i don't know if i really want to get into making a video and i'm like you know what the hell with it i'm gonna go ahead and make one and then one turns into two and next thing you know i get bored at home and <laughs> so you know i've got a ton of 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 videos that i've posted but um yeah no it's 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 fun but uh ever since uh coming back from furlough uh back in july uh i got thrown into the producer role for 
the M Zone, the afternoon show on WTK with Jamie Morris and uh, Dennis Fithian has uh, uh, returned to Ann Arbor and has been a great co-host with Jamie. And we've been uh, doing uh, doing the best we can with whatever sports have come across. So it's it's been it's been, a, it's been fun the past few months, without a doubt. Yeah, well, we'll have a lot of fun stuff fun stuff to talk about today. Some Lions, some NFL, some Michigan basketball, some Michigan women's basketball. I know that you are, uh, you know, it's interesting. I reached out to the media relations director for for women's team, Sarah Van Meter, um, a great person of a great relationship with. And she's like, oh, she's like, let me know the timing and, you know, I'll see if I can get someone. And and I said, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I got Miz. And Miz is, is, <laughs> is follows this, this team uh, religiously. And, you know, if you should, they should be hiring you, putting you on the staff to be Nas Hillman's campaign manager. Um, you know, she should be the, you know, at the very least, she's the big 10 player of the year. Uh, and she should be in, in your opinion, don't you think Ms. Like she should be in the conversation. Now I'm not even saying the conversation. She should be like in the top five for national player of the year. I don't know that Michigan is at that point in their program where they'll get that level of respect. It's still going to go to one of the big name, you know, probably someone from Connecticut because there's always someone on UConn or, uh, you know, Stanford or, you know, all these programs, Notre Dame that have the reputations. But tell me she's not the best player in college basketball. I, I will not tell you that she's not the best player in basketball. She's uh, when when she came into the university a couple of years ago, um, she she had some some big shoes to fill. I mean, she was I believe she was a freshman the year that Caitlin Flaherty was a senior or was or she had just graduated. And, you know, right now, currently, Caitlin Flaherty is the all time scoring record in all of Michigan basketball. And I think a lot of people when they when they when they see or think of Michigan basketball as a whole, they they immediately go with the men's side of things. Obviously, when you look back, the the success that John Beeline has brought to the program to to the men's side, and you know, you got Juwan Howard, you know, taking uh, taking the team to levels that I don't think anyone was really expecting or was you know would have seen. But the women's side, Kim Barnes Rico has taken this team just as far, if not further, and Nas Hillman as. Without a doubt, I you you said best. I mean, I, I could be her campaign manager, her hype, her hype guy, whatever you want to go with. And you know, she's without a doubt one of the, she's she's the best player on the team. She's been that way for the past couple of seasons. Um, the the thing about the women's team is that they've been like a key or two short of being you know getting to that next level. In the past few years, they've made it to the tournament, but they've only been a first weekend team because they would end up getting, they end up running into uh, the top seed in the regional they go to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been Baylor one year, and I think it was uh, another top seed another year like that. And they just got, they got blown out of the water, but they've been looking for that one key. And last year, they could have had it. They could have, they could have possibly made it to weekend number two. It would have been tough, but. You know, Nas Hillman, uh, as far as this year goes, she's really stepped out on her own and she's found, uh, you know, the help from a lot of her teammates this year. I mean, Amy Dilk has been a, she, she's been a, a silent contributor. It's not saying that, you know, she hasn't done anything for the team. It's that when you've got Nas Hillman, who's really kind of been the captain of this of this basketball team, and then you bring in a a transfer and, uh, and Leah Brown, who I think has been the 
that one catalyst that I think that this team needed the most is someone to kind of take some of the burden off the shoulders off of one player. So you've got two big players that are able to contribute. And then from there, the with the contribution that Amy Dilk has had, uh, Henry Johnson coming back, uh, and you, you got a lot of depth on the bench as well, too, where Kim Barnes-Rico can essentially just say, all right, um, I'm going to let you five go on the floor, tear it up, and uh, when uh, when media timeout comes around, I'll tell you what needs to be fixed and get back out there and do it again. That's kind of what the women's basketball team has done this year, and you know they're number eleven in the country as of this week, and they just keep they keep rolling on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been really impressive. I mean, as you said, undefeated, um, and number eleven. I mean, honestly, if if they were a program with a bigger name in women's basketball, they would probably uh, they would probably be ranked. I would say probably like fifth or sixth right now, honestly. Um, but they've got to kind of scratch and claw for every little bit of respect that they're going to get, Miz, because because they don't have a long history. They don't have uh, twenty five years, or hell, they don't even have ten years of of being successful. Um, you know, since since Kim's come in, as you mentioned, they've they've gone to some tournaments, they've won a couple of games. Uh, but they've always run into that uh, that one seed, and so what's what's nice about the way that they're playing is if you look at the NCAA tournament, like they should be uh, a top three seed, a top four seed, and they won't have um, the one seed in their in their second round, uh, which will be really nice. They won't see them until the Sweet 16 um, if they if they were to get uh, get that far. But it's interesting, Miss. I was I was thinking about this with Nas Hillman. I was looking at the the single season scoring points per game record and it's mm-hmm. held by none other than Caitlin Flaherty who as you mentioned you know might be m- might be the greatest player in program history this was a couple years ago and she scored 22.9 points per game right now Nas Hillman is averaging 23.7 so she is on pace to set the single season scoring record uh for Michigan basketball she's also uh, she scored 237 points. She's she's moving up. She won't she won't challenge Caitlin's uh, career mark of uh, 2200 points. Um, she's only at uh, 1200 or 2700 points, I should say. Um, but she's just she's an unstoppable force. And I wonder, Ms. Like when you watch her, I mean, she's not she's not you know six foot four. She's not a big. She's also not a a guard that that's hit goes out there and takes a bunch of three pointers. In fact, she has not taken a three-pointer yet this year. So like, how is she such a dominant scorer uh, where almost, I mean, like nobody can stop her. I think a lot of it is just the way how she, she's got, she's garnered a lot of respect and a lot of uh, maybe aggression down in the paint. That's kind of her home. She's, uh, she's uh, a huge threat at the key, you know, on the key. And uh, I mean, I, we can kind of go go back to the last game that they played over in Wisconsin um, uh, last week, and they had to double and triple team her mm-hmm. to kind of shut her down. So you can tell that they're up, that the teams in conference right now and teams around the country are watching her and realizing not only just how much of a threat she is down low, but they respect it as well too. And I think that's one of the big things is that she is she finds a way to, you know, not only be a, a threat at, at, you know, on the offensive side down low, but she's also been able to find a way to be a, a 
a huge contributor when it comes to offensive rebounds as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the game that uh, I believe it was against Nebraska, she was two rebounds shy of the single game record in program history. And if I'm not, I think that record was set back in like the early 80s. And she was two rebounds short of it, but she had to put the load on her shoulder. And I think the reason, you know, it's, it's the, it's kind of like the, 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 the pit bull mentality that, you know, we've heard about on the men's side of things. She's that dog that really kind of steps things up for the women's team. You know, she's, she's, she's reliable. You know, she, her, her shot is, is, is probably as pure as it can be. And if it ends up, you know, missing, she's also Johnny on the spot to pick up the rebound and, you know, either a reset the play where the clock is reset, or she's immediately right there to clean up the trash. And that's one reason why she's, she's so good down low is, you know, she'll, she'll go down. I've mentioned it before. She'll probably go. She'll, if there was a Mount Rushmore when it comes to Michigan basketball, her name has got to be in discussion to be up there. You know, along with the, uh, with the, uh, with the Derek Waltons or the, uh, the the Cassie Russell. You know, she's got to her name has got to be put up there as one of the best all time. And I, you know, she'll go down as probably the best women's basketball player of all time for Michigan. But it's just her her gritty play down low and how yeah. she's able to pick up rebounds. That, that's that's one of the reasons why she's such a, a great player for this uh, women's basketball team. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to to watch them. And, you know, they're, they're in first place in the Big Ten, as you can imagine, if it was an undefeated team. Uh, they play again on uh, Thursday this week against Ohio State. Big matchup, number 11, Michigan, number 17, Ohio State. You know, win another one like that. I mean, as I said earlier, Miz, like they've just got to scratch and claw uh, to get the respect because without tradition and history, that's what it takes. You know, that's what it takes is just to – um, is just to showcase, you know, you've got, you've got to break through. You've got to say, you know, you don't have to give us anything. We're going to earn every single thing uh, that we get. So congratulations to them for their early success and uh, a lot of fun to watch them play. Miz, uh, on the other side, man, how much fun are you having talking Michigan basketball on, on the Amazon? <laughs> how much fun are you having watching this team? I'll tell you what, yesterday I wasn't able to watch the first half. I was um, doing bath time with John and, and we can talk about that, you know, a little bit. It's been, uh, I generally get, cause I don't working from home is great, but I don't see him, um, a ton and, uh, still be, you know, just because you're still working. And so I get bath time. I get like that seven o'clock to eight o'clock window. So I didn't see the first half of the game and I jump on, uh, ESPN's tracker at halftime, go to turn on and Michigan's up, I think like 17 at the half. Pretty soon, pretty soon they're up by 23. Uh, they end up winning by about 25. Um, you know, here, everybody, you know, on, on Saturday, they're talking about like, well, is Michigan legit after they lost to Minnesota? Uh, they come back and, you know, Maryland's not a bad team. I know they don't have a, you know, overwhelmingly good record at what eight and six going into the get into the day. Uh, but Michigan just blew the doors off of them, beat them by 24. Yeah, so how much – I mean, you're a big, gigantic Michigan fan. How much fun are you having watching this team right now? Having a blast. Having a blast. I mean, with – you know, when the – before the season even started up, when Isaiah said that he was coming back in terms of Isaiah Livers coming back to the program, and 
the just the 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 recruits that came in and this for this class that came in with Hunter Dickinson, Terrence Williams, uh, Zeb Jackson, and you know obviously Jawan's son Jace. You know there there is a lot of there was a lot of promise going into it, and obviously you look at the transfers that came in, like Smith, which was you know that that was you know a given. It was a grad transfer, but then you know the long you know nail biting that I think the that the guys had to find out if Shawnee Brown was going to start up, if he was going to get the approval, and he got the thumbs up before the season started up. I think at that point there was a there was a lot of a lot of just a lot of anxiousness to to see this team finally hit the floor and to fi- you know to to finally see these guys hit the floor in the way that they've been able to and, and, and I think the biggest problem is you know who you know going into the season was who's going to be the start, the starting five mm-hmm. you can kind of essentially ink in Isaiah Livers you can ink in uh Franz Wagner you can essentially it basically ink in Eli you know uh e- Eli Brooks the question turned into who's going to be the five, who's going to be the other guard. You know, Mike Smith uh, got that got that pencil in, and then Austin Davis to start the season, and you know Austin deserved it. You know, it's the you know Hunter wasn't uh, completely ready to get going. Uh, you know, probably need wanted to get the want to get the the freshman jitters out of the way. I mean, you know, but you can tell from like the the coaches shows or even with uh, you know press conferences that Juwan's had with the media that, you know, that Hunter was making moves to be, you know, to, to possibly be ready to take over. And it was unfortunate that Austin went down with the foot injury, uh, but Hunter came in and took his place and went on with it. And it's been fun to watch him. It's been extremely fun to watch Mike Smith. It's been a blast to see how Franz Wagner has evolved from his freshman season to now his sophomore season where he's just, he's picked up, um, he's picked up a, 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 a defensive mindset that I think was what needed, what he needed to get more eyes garnered on him when it comes to, you know, pro talent and, you know, possibly getting higher up on those draft boards when, you know, when draft time comes around, um, you know, Isaiah, obviously he needed, he needed just a little more seasoning. Uh, if, if you want to go with that term to, to get himself into that pro look as well too. But then you got, you know, the guys that are on the bench as well too, that are ready to come on. Shondi Brown has been a, a great threat. He's got, I look at him. He's, he's really got that, that pit bull mentality that, you know, you know, I'm a dog, I'm a, I'm a bulldog. I'm ready to go in there. And, you know, if I gotta, if I gotta be, uh, you know, little physical. I can do that. I can get that. You know, I can get my guys hyped up on the sideline as well too. get them fired up to get the, you know, to bring the mood back up. Uh, we've seen how uh, even, uh, even with some of the, the freshmen that come in, Terrence Williams, you know, early on in the season when you needed a, a little, just a, a little bit of, you know, fluid to get the, the flame reignited again. He came in early on in the season and helped out with that. We're seeing Brandon Johns Jr., who I think a lot of people forgot. I forgot that he was still a part of the team. Huh. I mean, it, you know, it, yeah. the, the considering how high of a, you know, how difficult of a recruit uh, battle it was between Michigan and Michigan State to see him. Now he's coming into his own. He had a great game last night uh, against Maryland. 
Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing how these guys are meshing together. And the get when if they're not in the game, they are the student section. They are the maze rage right now with no fans or with you know with parents in the stands. They are the student section. They are keeping their guys hyped up on the side on on you know on the on the bench. I know that a lot of people saw the game on Saturday and they went, well, is this team really for real? Well, Minnesota is still a gritty team. Minnesota is still undefeated at home. They they're 11 and 0 at home. All their losses have been on the road against really tough teams. Mm-hmm. And this is the Big 10, I think can go ahead and put the crown on to say they are the best conference in college basketball right now. Or you'll get 10 or 11 teams that'll probably make the tournament this year. But it's fun to watch these guys play. I know at the beginning there was a lot of oh boy moments, especially in that Oakland game where you had to go into extra time to to wrap that game up. God, that feels like forever ago now. I know it. It, it feels like uh, it feels like 2020. But <laughs> but uh, the the way that they're playing now, the especially in conference, the way that they're dominating, and the, I mean even the the two games they played on the road at Maryland. And uh, at Nebraska during the the holiday season, they've you know they've really proven that they can go on the road, and they can they can still hang out. I mean the the amount of troubles that Michigan has had on the road at Nebraska at Maryland, they're able to pull it off. And I'm kind of glad that uh, that this team is able to meld and and mesh the the, the way they can. So that it's it really is fun to watch this team, and. Um, you know, the, the, the hype is still real, you know, just because you slip up at Minnesota doesn't mean you need to, you need to, you know, sell your stock on Michigan. You, you, as far as I'm concerned, you need to buy in. If you ain't bought in yet, you need to buy in. Miz, they're averaging they're in their seven big 10 wins. They're winning by an average of 17 points per game. Uh, so Pretty good. I mean, they've, yeah. They've they've just they really have been incredible. And you know, you you ticking through the lineup there. I mean, everybody is contributing. The the really, you know, the the thing about the last two games is is teams have kind of taken Hunter Dickinson out of you know his comfort zone. Uh that's what kind of that and Eli Brooks not being able to play against Minnesota really, you know, were were huge uh handicaps for Michigan. Uh Eli was back against um Maryland. But, you know, he, he only scored three points in the game, but Michigan was able to, to score the basketball in a variety of different ways. It certainly helps that right now you've got three players uh, that are shooting better than 37% from three, um, including uh, Shonda Brown at 39%, Livers at 43, and Mike Smith at about 46%. So when you're shooting the ball that well from three, I mean, it's going to be really hard uh, to stop Michigan. And you're, you're right, like the Big Ten juggernaut, man. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Ken Palm here and, God, they've got, uh, I think there's like eight teams that they have in their top 25, um, including the one that Michigan has to play on Friday night, Purdue on the road. Now, I loved what you said, Miz, about the the bench. I know the bench got a technical foul, which they never really, I mean, I was watching the game on TV on Big Ten Network, uh, you know, Tuesday night against uh, Maryland, and they never really kind of showed the bench. Like, I'm not sure what they did to get the technical foul. I don't know if they were John with uh, the Terrapins players or not, but you're, you're right. There is no student section. There are no fans. And so the bench has kind of turned into this, I mean, its own personal theater troupe where they're just, uh, they're doing funny things. I mean, I don't know if certainly they're, you know, no one's on the sideline with a, with a cell phone, um, putting themselves up on TikTok, but 
if I was Michigan's marketing department, if I was Michigan's video production department, I would just have a camera trained on the bench the entire time. And I would be taking those videos and, and populating them in their social media channels because they're hilarious. They're, they're having a good time. They're creating that energy. Um, they're just enjoying themselves. And I really wish it's, it's too bad uh, that uh, there's no crowds allowed at Chrysler Center or even on the road because I just think that would be, it would be like one gigantic party this year watching Michigan basketball. One of the things I, I, I did notice as well, too, uh, in, in, in the Minnesota loss is when Juwan made the, the wholesale change, when he realized the game is out of control, I, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way in coming back. So I'm going to go ahead and put in, you know, what it would be like your third string or whatever, just to kind of give them some time on the floor that the starters still kept everything energetic. They, they were still chanting defense on the sideline. They were still chanting uh, what lock up, I think is one of the other chants that, that they're doing as well too, but they are, they're, they're fun to watch. You know, it's, it's fun to watch the, the, you know, obviously the product on the floor, you know, that's actually taking the court, but it's also fun to see how the, the bench is keeping, is keeping the energy and keeping, you know, as much of uh, intensity on a high as you can. And I, I think it'd be a great idea just to have someone at Chrysler Center just bench cam, bench cam. And then, you know, when, whenever just you make gifs or gifs, however you want to pronounce it of, you know, like, hey, it's uh, it's Friday. You know what day it is. It's it's game day. And just show, you know, just show Adrian Nunez going crazy or Jace Tower just collapsing on the floor because, Eli Brooks threw down again or something like that and just have stuff like that. That's to me, I, I think it get, that would get the fan base, you know, on social media uh, even more excited to, uh, to, to be a part of this, this amazing run that they've got. All right, man. Well, look, we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk some food in a second here with uh, Elise Schultz, who is the director of marketing for mission restaurant group. Um, they pretty much there's, they pretty much have, every third restaurant in Ann Arbor. Uh, And uh, when we come back from that interview, Ms. and I are going to look at the NFL, look at uh, college football, uh, and maybe talk a little food ourselves. Nice. Well, as everybody knows on this podcast and my previous days on WTK, I love to eat. I consider myself a gigantic foodie. And it's my goal essentially to go to as many restaurants as I can possibly go to uh, in Southeast Michigan, uh, in uh, Northern Michigan, Traverse City, Gaylord, Petoskey, um, anything that looks like it has a good menu, anything that's been well-reviewed, uh, I want to try. And uh, I, I, certainly during my time at uh, WTK, I had a great relationship uh, with the Mission Restaurant Group, um, especially Pretzel Bell, which was uh, a lead sponsor of our show, uh, Jolly Pumpkin and Blue Tractor, uh, and here to talk about uh, the Mission Restaurant Group, they're they're all their their great restaurants. Is a director of marketing, Elise Schultz. Elise, uh, welcome to Stadium and Main Podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here and chat a little bit more about our restaurants. Well, it's interesting because going to the Mission Restaurant Group um, website. Uh, there's a couple of things that stand out. And the first one is that Jolly Pumpkin is trying to take over the world. Um, <laughs> I think there are now seven or maybe eight locations, Jolly Pumpkin. Um, Ann Arbor was one of the very first. I think Dexter was actually the first. 
Uh, and you had Dexter and Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids and Traverse City and Detroit and Royal Oak where I live. Uh, and what is it about this particular brand, this particular restaurant uh, that uh, resonates so well and it's been uh, such, a, such a successful venture for Mission? Yeah, I think, you know, um, like you said, there are so many locations. So obviously, uh, Jolly Pumpkin does well. People love Jolly Pumpkin. And I think there's numerous reasons for that. Um, you know, first of all, I think a big thing with Jolly Pumpkin is our our brewery or the brewing aspect of this. Um, I think there is a huge following for that. I um, cannot personally attest to that. I am not a beer drinker, but I know for, you know, our customers who are, that is a really big draw, a really big appeal to those that are into the craft brews and craft beers. Um, I think that just has always been a big part of the Jolly Pumpkin franchise. The other thing is, you know, even with the brewing aspect or the beer aspect, we are still such, at least in my mind, I'm thinking specifically of different Jolly Pumpkins, but um, such a family-friendly restaurant, in my opinion. There are so many options on our menu, no matter who you're dining with. I always say there's something for everyone. Um, our pizzas are a signature item. I think a lot of people think Jolly Pumpkin and think of our um, hearth-baked pizzas. Those are super popular and super delicious. Um, one of my favorite things that we have on the menu at every Jolly Pumpkin. Um, but then you'll also notice too, and that, you know, this is kind of how I think it took off for us is that each Jolly Pumpkin is, does have something that um, sets them apart from another Jolly Pumpkin. You know, if you go to Jolly Pumpkin in Traverse City, you might see something on the menu there that you're not going to see um, at Jolly Pumpkin Ann Arbor. And the reason for doing that is that despite the fact that we do have numerous locations, we like to have our own kind of flair or personality for each one. If you go to Jolly Pumpkin Royal Oak, it's going to feel a little different than Jolly Pumpkin Ann Arbor and vice mm -hmm. versa. And so I think that's, you know, one of the reasons we found this specific restaurant to be so successful, no matter where it is. I think people just really respond well to the menu, to our offerings, to, you know, having those craft beer options. And they just, you know, it, People love to support Jolly Pumpkin. They do. It's a, it is a great organization. And one of the things that you guys, for your beer that you're famous for, are your sours. Um, yeah. A lot of places, uh, you know, emphasize their IPAs or they emphasize their, their porters and stouts. And Jolly Pumpkin has always been known for their sour beer, uh, which um, I have to say is has been one of the reasons that we go there pretty consistently uh, is because my wife is a gigantic sour fan and especially the fruitier, the better. And so um, anytime she's in the mood for a sour beer, she's always like Jolly Pumpkin. And it's hard to, hard to say no to that. Uh, the other thing you guys do a phenomenal job with and that I always argue, anytime someone says, where do you get the best truffle fries? I always say Jolly Pumpkin, just no doubt about it. Jolly Pumpkin always has the best truffle fries. Uh, and you mentioned your pizza, your pizza is really good too, but um Certainly, I would suggest if you're a sour fan, if you're a truffle fry fan, go there, try them. I think at probably any location and tell me I'm wrong. I dare you to tell me I'm wrong about those two things. Yes. No, the truffle fries are absolutely, I can't believe I forgot to mention the truffle fries. The truffle fries <laughs> That's okay. offer a huge appeal as well. I, those are one of my favorites. That's what I always get when I'm dining at Jolly Pumpkin. And, you know, you just can't go wrong with a good sour and an order of truffle fries. 
Well, I think originally maybe the first uh, restaurant group or the first restaurant from this group in Ann Arbor was maybe Grizzly Peak, which um, has long has long been at the corner of Washington uh, and uh, Ashley Street in downtown Ann Arbor, um, a signature uh, offering in uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, and you guys have built so many more. But a couple of years after that, uh, Blue Tractor came into existence and there's a Blue Tractor in Ann Arbor, there's a Blue Tractor in Traverse City. Uh, and quickly established itself as one of the you know best barbecue places in uh, in Michigan. Um, I don't know. You said you're not a beer fan, so I'm taking a chance here and, and going to ask you: Are you a barbecue fan, Elise? Oh, so this is just so embarrassing for me. Oh my gosh, I'm can't so be underqualified to do my job, but I assure you that's not the case. I am actually a vegetarian, always have been. So. That rules me out right then and there. Um, however, I, I do have friends and family members who are very much into barbecue. Like I um, was mentioned earlier when we were speaking, uh, I lived in Austin for a while. So I know a lot about barbecue and I know that it has a very big following and people that are into barbecue are very, very picky. Um, it seems when it comes to barbecue, but that being said, I have heard nothing but good things about Blue Tractor. It definitely is one of those restaurants that people, you know, if they're coming to Traverse City or they're coming to Ann Arbor and they're into barbecue at all, they, it's always on their list. I hear that time and time again, just from our customers, from reviews, from word of mouth. Um, people like to come to those places, whether it's Ann Arbor or Traver Traverse City and have that on their list and stop in for some amazing barbecue. Um, I, like I said, I wish I could personally Goodness. attest to this, but I've heard nothing but good things. I know both of our chefs, both in the Ann Arbor location and Traverse City do a phenomenal job with those menus. And yeah, they do. Make sure that, again, there is still something for everyone. I've eaten at Blue Tractor many times and I've never had a problem finding something that I can enjoy, whether it's the cream corn or the mashed potatoes. There are plenty of uh, vegetarian-friendly <laughs> options as well. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. Well, here here's what I would suggest to you is, is your Carolina mustard sauce at Blue Tractor is exceptionally good. It's exceptionally good on brisket. It's exceptionally good on pork. And I bet you, Elise, that it's probably good on asparagus or broccoli too. So highly encourage you to just dunk your broccoli right in some Carolina mustard sauce. I will totally try that because I am, I say that I'm a vegetarian, but I'm the least picky eater aside from that. And I love a good sauce recommendation. So there you go. Try that. You, you let me know how that uh, ends up, uh, ends up for you, but I'm a, I'm a big sauce guy. Um, and the, the Carolina mustard sauce is, is, outstanding at uh, at the Blue Tractor restaurant. So so that was Elise Schultz talking uh, Jolly Pumpkin and Blue Tractor. And we'll hear from Elise a little bit later on in the podcast as she describes uh, what I would argue is one of the best restaurants in the state of Michigan, in the state of Michigan, and that is Mission Table up in uh, Traverse City. But Ms., uh, you and I certainly in our days on Inside the Huddle had our fair share of uh, of good food. Let me ask you this question. She was just talking about barbecue. What's your go-to barbecue move? Like what, if you walk in, you're at a barbecue place, you're automatically, especially if it's a new one and it's not like you want to try things because you've, you've had some stuff before. Like you walk into a new barbecue place, what is your go-to? Ooh, that's a good one. I, it's either brisket or pulled pork. You know, I think th those are the two that really, if, if you're going to go with barbecue, 
that really kind of tells how good of a barbecue joint you are. If you've got real good brisket or real good pulled pork, I think that really sets you apart from other places as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's got to be brisket. Like if, if you do brisket well, I mean, that's what a barbecue place is. Like if you go down to the South, you know, you can find pulled pork, but like you go down to Texas, you mm-hmm. go down to like Alabama, you go down to Carolina, like that's what they're, that's what they're all banking on. Like they're a brisket, especially Texas. Yeah. Down to like Austin, Texas. And it's all about the brisket. And so to me, if you want to establish yourself, you've got to have brisket that is mouthwatering that, you know, is, is a little bit firm, but like, honestly, is kind of just melts in your mouth. And to me, Ms., the biggest thing about brisket, like I love sauce. I love Carolina sauce. I love like the hot sauces, but brisket should be able to stand on its own without any sauce. Exactly it. I mean, that's, I don't know if I told you this when we were on the show, I went to culinary school when I got out of high school. And the one thing I've known while going to culinary school was you want your product to stand alone. The sauce is just something extra to go with it just to kind of ump up, you know, oomph up that, uh, that product. So yeah, if you, if your brisket is good and stands alone on its own, trust me, you're going to, you're, you, you ain't going to have any problems with people uh, not coming into your joint. No issues at all. How about your go-to side at a barbecue place? Are you a mac and cheese? Are you, is that what you're going to say? I'm going to say mac and cheese. Uh, recently, I, I've also been, you know, I, I, not many places will do it, but I really like collard greens. Okay. If, if, if you got some collard greens, I might have to fight between either mac and cheese and then get a side of collard greens just to go along with it, just to see is it legit or is it not legit? So that, those are my two. I mean, I, I like those things too. I like a slaw. Um, give me some good cornbread, but I got to tell you like the other one, because of how it can sit there and just uh, ruminate in its own juices and the whole thing. Give me some really good baked beans uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of pork right in those beans. And, you know, you get some brown sugar, some molasses, maybe add a little beer into those uh, baked beans. And to me like that, again, brisket and beans and, and really the mac and cheese too. Like those are the ones that you get, like if, if a place is really good with those three, then it can call itself a legit barbecue place. You got to smoke the baked beans too. If you smoke those baked beans, oh, I, I know, it's, I know we're recording, we're, we're doing this at like 10 30 in the morning, but I'm already thinking about just busting out of here and getting some barbecue. so am i so am i miss i i I've, i'm teaching today from 11 30 to 1 uh oh, it's my first i know it's my first um class of the year uh for university of michigan for yeah i guess this term and i don't know how i don't know how i agreed to 11 30 to 1 o'clock because <laughs> i love to eat and i don't i mean i'm gonna have to like come up and have my lunch at you know, at 11 o'clock or be able to just get through to one o'clock. And you know me, like I got hangry when we were doing inside the huddle, we were on from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And at 12 o'clock hour, I was always eating because I couldn't make it the rest of the hour with Zach and Brandon and you, unless I had something in my brain, uh, something in my stomach, I should say. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to do this on Mondays and Wednesdays. You you might, you might need a, a lunchtime sponsor for your class. I think I might. I think I might. That's a good idea. I like it. They deliver every time and I'll just turn like the zoom off. So the kids can't see me. I like put them into breakout rooms for 15 minutes and they can't see me. So, but it was, you know what? It was a lot of fun. I'll have to bring you on for a guest lecture. Uh, one of these times. I mean, it's a good group. 
Uh, I don't, I haven't met them yet. Um, this is the, as I said, the first day, but uh, first term was a lot of fun uh, taking over for John Bacon's class and, and uh, the history of college athletics. So if you are, if you're listening to this podcast and you are a student at Michigan, you want to take it, I will be back one more semester next fall. I'm hoping to do it in person if we all can get uh, inoculated. I, I don't know about you, Ms., but I always, I, I'm already like kind of thinking ahead to like next fall. I know there's a lot of sports that have to be played this winter between the winter sports uh, and then the spring, there's like soccer and volleyball. There's a ton that's going to be going on um, this spring, but I think we'll still be in a position where we're, you know, not everybody is inoculated, where we're still kind of dealing with, you know, there's no fans in the stands. So I don't know about you, but like there's days that I dream of 2000, the fall of 2021 and being able to walk back in the big house and being able to tailgate with my friends, coming to the, uh, the WTKA tailgate and just kind of envisioning what this, uh, what this world will look like again someday. Trust me, it was, you know, it was really surreal this year, you know, doing our, our usual, you know, countdown to kickoff pregame show from, you know, our respected homes. I was obviously in studio making sure that we were on the air, but yeah, it was just different this year. And I really hope that we can, you know, at the very least have, you know, have a tailgate tent, you know, just outside the big house that, you know, that they'll, that we'll be able to tailgate with our friends and, you know, be able to congregate on the corner of stadium in Maine, watch Michigan come out the tunnel and have the excitement that they have at the beginning of the season and have it continue on all the way to game number 12 when they uh, play Ohio state. I, I I'm really, really hoping and, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I'm willing to bet, you know, that it'll happen. I, and I really hope so. I really hope that we can all, you know, be able to enjoy college football in person at the stadium. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, it just, just what well, you just pointed out. I mean, you know, I don't really have a group. I guess it's going to be a little bit different because I'm not, no longer, you know, full, co full, uh, full on media. So uh, I'll just be coming as a guest of WTK. I'll be coming. Uh, as a guest of uh, of of my brother or something like that, I have to have to figure out. It's been a long time since uh, <laughs> since I was just a fan uh, of this program. Um, but looking forward looking forward to those days, Ms. I do want to ask you. I want to get your impression. I'm sure you guys have talked about it on the M Zone the last couple of days, and I know you were disappointed. Your your Saints lost to the Bucks uh, over the weekend, but hey, they were there. They won a game yeah. in the playoffs. They won the Super Bowl. You know, we, we'll talk about Drew Brees here in a second, but the Detroit Lions, um, Sheila Ford gets rid of Matt Patricia, uh, gets rid of Bob Quinn, what everybody in this, in this town was clamoring for. Um, you know, they're just, he was in over his head. Well, now they go out there and they hire a general manager who has never been even close to that type of position before, was not an assistant general manager. He was the director of college scouting for the Los Angeles Rams and Brad Holmes. Um, you know, he, you know, there's, I, I've read some good things about him, but he has never run a front office on his own. He's never even been close to running the front office on his own. They also are hiring Dan Campbell, uh, a position coach with the new Orleans saints who you, you know, maybe could speak on a little bit, uh, to be their new head coach. Now I will say that th it has worked out with position coaches before John Harbaugh, one of the most successful coaches in the game was a position coach. He wasn't a coordinator before he became a head coach. Um, you know, Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans was a position coach before he became the head coach with the Titans. So there is some precedent for this, but yeah, what were your thoughts? What are, what are the people saying? What are Lions fans saying 
about these two hires because you're you're not getting anybody with any experience in either role. They're, you're getting two brand new novices. Is that is that a good gamble to take? Is it a crazy gamble to take that in three years we'll look back and go like same old lions pulled the same crap that they always do? I think it's different this time around with uh, with the hire uh for for home for gm i think the reason why is you've got you you brought in someone that cares about this organization um as much as the fans do when you brought in you know chris spielman and i i honestly thought that with spielman coming in and i didn't know if he was going to try to reach out to his brother who is i believe he's either the gm or like assistant gm up in minnesota but I could tell with with when Sheila Ford Hemp brought him on to be like an assistant counsel to try to find the next GM and the next head coach. To me, I think it gave some optimism to the Lions fans that this time, you know, we you know we've heard you in the past. We've heard how upset you were with with Bob Quinn, how much you despised um, Matt Millen, how much. You know, you can just kind of, you know, essentially read off of the honeydew list of, you know, failed uh, failures at the at the GM and head coaching positions. How about we bring in one of our one of your, you know, former, you know, Lions, one of your you know favorites that were, you know, that helped, you know, this this organization get to the playoffs almost on a regular basis. I don't want to say regular basis because. Let's just be honest. It's the Detroit Lions, so it's, it's tough to be on a regular basis for it. But when Chris when Chris Spielman came in, you could tell that he was dead set on trying to find the right person to take over. And I know that a lot of people were hoping for like a Lewis Riddick to come in and you know a, a player's coach or a player's GM, I should say, that you know is focused on making sure that the that the player aspect of things was taken care of more than the actual, you know, business side of things. And I think with the hire of homes, I think it, you still keep that, that aspect of things. I mean, you've seen what he's been able to do in terms of finding the right guys for an organization. I mean, you take a look at the Rams defense over the past couple of years, they've been in the top tier of defenses. They've been able to find the right guys in drafts. You know, they they found the Robert Woods. They found, I think he was actually around when Brandon Cooks was, or uh, no, Brandon Cooks was drafted by the Saints. I'm sorry, but when he brought in, you know, Aaron Donald, uh, and just all the keys that you see that you see right now with the Rams, where you know they pulled off a, a huge upset in the playoffs by beating the the Seahawks. They, you know, they they unfortunately didn't uh, make it respectable with the Packers, but let's just be honest, Green Bay, you know on their frozen tundra is a, is a difficult thing to do, but he's been able to scout the right player to fit the right, you know, the, to fit each and every hole that needs addressing. And I think that should give some optimism for the lions in terms of the GM. As far as head coach with, with, uh, with Dan Campbell, he's been around. He's been, a, he's a former lion as well, too. Uh, we've seen the success that the 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 Saints have had offensively over the years. He was the, I believe, assistant head coach under Sean Payton. So, you know, he was Sean's number two. And, um, you know, he, he's taught the tight ends. And obviously the Lions have got a Pro Bowl tight end in TJ Hawkinson. 
So I, I can imagine that if if he's a guy, and it sounds like that he is going to be the guy that's going to take over as the the head coach for the Lions, that I think there should be some optimism. You know, it's you know, I know that the 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 dream was to bring in Robert Sala, uh, or even bring in the you know probably the the top you know most wanted uh, you know coordinator to be a head coach in in uh, in the enemy, but you know it's. To be able to get someone that is focused on getting offense and, you know, again, you brought up position coaches where John Harbaugh has led Baltimore to, to a championship. You know, I, I, if you're a Lions fan, you, you can have, you can have some faith that they're finding the right guys at the, at this time. And I think it's having a former, having the former player to try to lead that way is what's really giving uh giving Lions fans some faith going into 2021. I'll tell you what's interesting about it, you know, is, is I don't want to write these guys off. Uh, you know, would it have, would it have been better if they had grabbed John Schneider uh, from the Seahawks or they'd gotten, you know, someone from the, the Steelers who have um, a history of success in a general manager or an assistant general manager role. Yeah, maybe, but that was also, you know, what Bob Quinn was with the Patriots. I, I think in today's, in today's sports, there is a greater opportunity than ever to take chances, Miz, to, uh, to, to, try to, to try to grab the next big thing. I mean, obviously, uh, the Rams did that with Sean McVay, making him the youngest uh, head coach in, in, the, in the NFL a couple of years ago. Uh, John Harbaugh was a, was a huge gamble for the Ravens as a special teams coach, and he has had great success. The Seahawks went to the college ranks and, and took Pete Carroll, who had been an utter failure in the NFL previously, and he has been um, you know, a huge success with, uh, with the Seahawks, uh, Jacksonville going out there and getting urban Meyer now and, mm-hmm. and bringing a guy who hasn't coached in, in football for two years. I mean, there's a greater opportunity to gamble and I get that, you know, you gamble, you get it wrong, but the lines have been getting it wrong for 30 years. So, you know, in that respect, like I know I've, I've read a lot of people just saying like the same old lions, what are they doing? They're in over their head. You know, Sheila Ford shouldn't have done this, but, I'm willing to give it a chance because maybe just maybe the Lions uh, strike gold and and they they tap an unproven, but they tap someone who's got a lot of hunger and energy and has got a really good idea. Has been working behind the scenes to to build uh, to build a, a franchise in his head, not necessarily obviously on paper. Uh, and then the same thing with Dan Campbell and, and being able to connect to these players and be a, be the right type of players coach. Uh, and, and having played the game and, and having worn the, the Honolulu uh, silver and blue. And so I'm, I'm optimistic. I think the only thing about it for me that I'm a little bit disappointed, Miz, is like this is clearly, if you're bringing in a first-time general manager and a first-time head coach, this isn't they're going to compete for a championship in 2021 or they're going to compete for a championship in 2022. And it feels like the Lions are perpetually in rebuild or perpetually in just a straight-up build where now we're looking at, you know, three years down the road, four years down the road uh, before you can really expect anything. And if that is the case, and I think it probably is, then I would start with the obvious piece of this puzzle and I would trade Stafford um, and, and kind of just jumpstart this thing because he doesn't want to spend his time here working for a brand new GM, a brand new coach is going to take two or three years to build this thing out. Um, and so what can you get from Matthew Stafford ahead of the NFL draft? Can you get a first round pick? Can you get a second round pick? Can you use that on a quarterback? Um, you know, I, I have kind of been up and down with Stafford for, for his entire career. 
Um, I'm never willing to say that I've been a huge supporter, um, but I think it's just time to move on from him, start anew with the Detroit Lions franchise. Have you have you ever watched Bob uh, Bob's Burgers? Just I have not. Curious. I have not so, seen Bob's Burgers. So in the opening, like like the opening of the of the show, it basically shows, you know, the 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 restaurant being started up, and then something happens. This is the re grand opening, and then something else happens. The re re grand opening, and then something else happens. The re 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 grand opening, and it's essentially what the lines kind of are at this point. It's like you have faith that ah, this is a guy, and then <clears throat> nope, okay, let's try it again, and <clears throat> oh, let's try it again, <clears throat> let's try it again. At this point, if if you're a Lions fan, you, you got to look at it just like okay, I know. Give it, give it a chance. I think, especially when Patricia got hired, uh, and I hate to bring that past up. I'm sorry, Lions fans, but you, you got to kind of look back at the whole. There was a lot of excitement that one of you know one of Bill Belichick's guys, you know, and the amount of success that the Patriots have had, you know, is coming in. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement. I don't think you should have that much excitement, but I think you should still have some kind of optimism. Like, you know what? We're getting a guy that has had success at, with the team. Uh, and he, he's, he's, he's been around. He's, 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 he's got, uh, his teeth are ground are grinded to a point where he can take over. Uh, and maybe this is the opportunity with, the, with the new GM as well, too. Let's give him a chance. We've seen what he's been able to do as far as what he's found at the college level. Maybe he can see something. As far as Stafford goes, I, I, I've said this mostly in a joking matter, but as we get closer and closer to you know the end of the postseason and getting closer to draft time, and what's being heard at with another franchise, why not trade Stafford down to Houston and maybe bring Deshaun Watson up? And Houston is without a first round pick. And obviously you're going to have to, you know, give up a couple of picks to, to try to make up for it as well too. But get, maybe give Stafford a little reigniting of a, of a flame. He goes, he goes back, you know, down to Texas where he can try to, you know, bring some success to Houston, who is, you know, also looking for a new head coach as well too. Maybe you get something going on there and Deshaun gets a, uh, a new organization to work with, and he's got weapons to work with, with Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, you know, maybe you you find a way to get a couple of other weapons as well. So, I mean, it's, there is a lot, this definitely is the re, 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 reopening of the Detroit Lions. But, uh, you know, I, I think if you're a Lions fan, you have a little bit of optimism, but, you know, don't go, full-blown, full full container of the Honolulu blue and silver Kool-Aid. Maybe maybe go light this time. Maybe just go a little on the light side. So I love your Bob's Burger reference, even though I've never seen it, but the constantly like reopening, 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 reopening. You're right. That mm-hmm. does That is what the Lions feel like. I mean, it's and, – and there are other franchises like that, and some of them have gotten over the hump, and uh, some of them have not. The Cleveland Browns, um, you know, were like that for – two decades and got over the hump. The Buffalo Bills were like that for two decades and, and got over the hump. And so, yeah, I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. Um, you know, our, <laughs> our, our friend, our friend, Brett Borak from uh, orange theory, 
he was supposed to send me some Buffalo Bills gear so that I could raise John as a Bills fan because um, <laughs> I don't want to raise him as a, as a Detroit Lions fan. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, Miz, I know you're bummed that the, the Saints got knocked out of the playoffs. That said, where is your focus now? Who are you rooting for? Um, and maybe a different question. Who are you rooting for and who do you ultimately think comes out of it? So on the AFC side, I am rooting for the bills mostly because they they're, they're the, they're kind of, if you think about it, they're the lovable loser right now. They're they've had such, you know, they've, they've been in the division and in the shadows of the, the, the empire known as the new England Patriots. And now they've, you know, the Patriots are on the down because well, Brady's gone and a lot of the keys that they've had are, you know, kind of going elsewhere but the Bills are are a young team, and they've they decided to kind of go all in with picking up the players that they need. I love the Bills. I think the Bills are a great uh, a great team to to kind of root for on the AFC side of things. But realistically, you're going up against the defending champions in the Kansas City Chiefs, who quite possibly are going to have Patrick Mahomes back after he sustained a, a concussion. Looks like he's going to be clear protocols for game time on Sunday. And he's also got a foot injury, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. And he's got all these weapons around him. He's the amount of weapons that he's got, you know, the bills are got to be, they got to play their best game and then some to kind of to, to give them the opportunity to play down to Tampa. But I think Kansas city probably takes it for the AFC. On the NFC side of things, listen, I've said this once before, and I'll say it again. Playoff Brady is different from regular season Brady, and there's a lot of respect for Tom Brady, a former Michigan quarterback, but without a doubt, he is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He will go down as the you know one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but he's got to go up to the the frozen tundra and Aaron Rodgers, who will probably be named the NFL's MVP this year. He's got to go one on one with him. I think that the Bucks can pull it off, and I am rooting for the Bucks here because I do want to see the first time in NFL history that a team gets a play in their home stadium for the NFL for the Vince Lombardi Trophy. It's never happened before. I want to see it happen. As crazy of a year that 2020 was, and it goes into 21, I just want to see something like this, something even crazy to happen like that. So I like the Bucks and the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. Bucks and Chiefs. Okay, so Brady versus Mahomes. And actually, I mean, you know, if if Mahomes can't play and Chad Henney starts for the Chiefs, you know, even if he even by the Super Bowl time, you would expect Mahomes to be back. I know there's a lot of Michigan fans out there rooting for the idea of, you know, Henny and Brady, two former Michigan uh, quarterbacks, two former Michigan greats leading their teams to the Super Bowl. I do think that would be really cool. I don't know that um, in the history of the NFL, you've had, you know, two teams in the Super Bowl where the opposing quarterbacks had, had played for the same college. Uh, and again, Mahomes should be back in three weeks if they were to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but what a cool opportunity that would be. Yeah, Miss, you know what? I mean, I'm honestly like, this is so lame, but I'm honestly just rooting for two really competitive games this weekend. I feel mm -hmm. like last weekend, um, you know, the, the Cleveland 
Kansas City game came down to the wire with with Chad Henney making you know the third down scramble on third and fourteen, and then them going for it on fourth down to seal the game with the pass to uh, to, uh, to Tyreek Hill. But other than that, like I feel like the other what's it been six games in the first weekend, and then there were three other games. So like, I feel like the other nine games there hasn't been that much drama yet when it comes to the NFL playoffs. I feel like we've there, the 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 game has been decided by like ten points or more going into the final you know, five minutes of the, of the contest. And maybe I'm missing one, um, but it just hasn't been, you know, classic, you know, right down to the wire. So I'm kind of rooting for competitive games. Like I just want to be entertained. You can do that when your team is the lions and you don't have a dog in the fight ever. You can just root for competitiveness. <laughs> and frankly, like I know a lot of people that will continue to root for Tom Brady um, that were Patriots fans. And now they're Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. So what you really are is a Tom Brady fan. And that's fine, but at least like kind of own up to it. Don't be like, well, I, I, you know, I was a gigantic Patriots fan for 20 years. And all of a sudden, like you switch your allegiances because the quarterback moves on. You were never a Patriots fan. You were a Tom Brady fan. Um, I mean, if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, if he doesn't make it to the game, if Aaron Rodgers gets it, like I'm not, there's no, I'm not losing any sleep, right? Like he's got seven of them or six of them, whatever, how many, many Super Bowl titles he has. So I'm just rooting for, I'm just rooting for, um, for, for good competitive football. If it's the bills and you're looking at a franchise like the lions that, you know, they had their four years where they lost the super bowl. Like I'd be totally jacked for that. Like, that'd be so cool to me. I always root for a lot of times the underdog. And when it comes to like major league baseball uh, you know, the, the tigers, which we had some success for the, you know, until the most recently here, like I root for teams that haven't had success for a long time, like the Pittsburgh pirates, like the Cincinnati reds, you know, like teams like that. Um, pretty soon we'll get to the, get there with the Red Wings where they haven't had success for a long time. And we can, and we can really say like, okay, they're the underdog now for everything. Um, so I'm rooting for that. So I'd be totally fine if it's a Bills, uh, Bills Packers game. I just, I, I just want to be entertained as, uh, in 2021. That's honestly what I think anyone wants at this point is you want to be entertained. And yeah, I mean, the only, uh, to me, I think the only other game uh so far in this postseason that's been you know a, a nail biter and you kind of you got to go back to the wild card game i think it was actually the first game was uh the colts at the bills and that one came down to a, a last drive with with philip rivers who announced i believe he's announcing today his retirement from the nfl so that's i believe that's uh that's the news that broke today here uh about an hour or so ago from our recording but you know, that one, it, it came down to a last drive and Philip Rivers having to throw a Hail Mary and the, you know, the dispute with, you know, a replay that, you know, should have been a fumble and recovered by the Bills, but it ended up staying with the Colts and just trying to get into field goal range to possibly tie the game and send overtime and Bills fans going, here we go again, here we go again. But, I mean, you've, there, yeah, you're right. There really hasn't been um, a lot of nail-biter games uh during the playoffs i mean I, it was great to see cleveland come out and score 28 points in the first quarter in pittsburgh when the week prior they were fighting for their playoff lives to get in and they get in and they come out and hey ben rosberg guess what we're throwing 28 up on you in the first quarter we're gonna pick you off we're gonna we're gonna pick you off three times we're gonna recover a fumble in the end zone we're gonna just we're just gonna make this game so lopsided, but it's for the city of Cleveland, and you know, it, the Cleveland is is also kind of like the you know is 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 the Lions as well too. They had the 0-16 season. They're kind of the the team that was 
you know, always considered just the joke team, the joke franchise. And they get to the playoffs finally, and you just see the 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 amount of love that the fan base has got, and even really around the country, just like hey, Cleveland Browns, they're kind of the lovable losers. Listen, we can get on that. We can get on that, especially if your team's not in it. And it's it's great to see that now. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, this Sunday, yeah, that we do get two competitive games, that it comes down to the wire, or it it turns into you know like a the game-winning touchdown or uh, goes into overtime, you know, something like that. I, that's what I like to see. Give me some competition. Don't give me a, a blowout where it's just like, all right, well, I'm changing the channel because this is boring. Yeah. Yeah, that's right where I'm with you, Miz. So, um, yeah, well, well, we'll have to see what the, the football pre- football guys present for us. Miz, you've been a lot of fun to talk to today. Before I let you go, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Brees, is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? This is your boy. And let me ask you this question, because you mentioned Philip Rivers was announcing his retirement. Where do you put, where do you put Drew Brees? Where do you put Philip Rivers in the pantheon of all-time greatest quarterbacks in NFL history? So I do think that Drew Brees does retire. I'll get that one out of the way. I think just the way that his his body has been beat up, you know, mm. the past couple of seasons with uh, the thumb injury where he missed uh, you know, a quarter of the season and then the damn near breaking every rib, you know, this season and missing yeah. five, six games. I just think it's I think he just wants to he wants to be able to spend time with the family where he's not, you know, you know, crippled anymore. So I don't I don't blame him whatsoever. Um in terms of Breeze where he ends up as, I think you, you can put, put him in that elite status where you know, statistically, he's he's one of the best. You know, he he's you know set he broke records that that had been around because of Brett Favre, and Brett Favre is an elite quarterback. You know, he, he'll go down as one of the best as well. I think the reason why I don't put Drew as you know on that like Mount Rushmore, if you put like the top four quarterbacks of all time, I you know he might be a couple steps down from it because. Postseason wise, especially in his later part of the of his career, he hasn't been able to, you know, make that next step. I mean, he he made it to the super he made it to the Super Bowl back in what two thousand and and nine or two thousand ten, and finally got that got that ring that he's been you know fighting so hard to get, but it's just he, he's just hasn't been able to get over that that hump to kind of get back to uh, back to the big game. Uh, but I do think he goes down. He's going to go down as one of the one of the best. You know, you'll be an elite quarterback. You'll be in that conversation of the um, of the Brett Favre's of um, see what other kind of comparison kind of go with. Maybe of like um, maybe of a Steve Young. Maybe yeah. in that kind of category yeah. uh, with Philip Rivers. He's he's a couple pegs down. I hate to say it. Yeah. He, he's he. I mean, his time in San Diego. Because that's where he was at for his for the majority of his career when the Chargers were in San Diego, you know he he really he gave his all. He gave his all. He'll go. He'll he'll be a he'll be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Both of them will be Hall of Famers. Um, Drew will definitely be either a first or second ballot guy. Philip will he he might have to wait a few ballots to get on you know to, to get inducted. But um, I think what Philip Rivers has done for 
that organization, the Chargers organization, um, kind of kept them relevant in in the in the long in the long haul of uh, of of football. So I, I think that's where he ends up at. Yeah, Miz, I I think you know I, I think you're right. I'm looking at the you know kind of some of the list right now. I mean, you know, you got Brady, you got Peyton Manning, um, you've got John Elway, um, Fran Tarkenton, those Montana. guys. Yeah, those guys are all going to be above him. But, you know, I think the Brett Favre comparison is a really good one. Um, someone like Dan Marino uh, mm-hmm. would, would be in, in that range. Um, you know, someone like, you know, maybe Dan Fouts. Um, you know, I liked your Steve Young comparison. Um, maybe a little bit of a Boomer Esiason. But I think he'll be ahead of like someone like Boomer Esiason. He'll be probably ahead of someone like Russell Wilson, who has a Super Bowl and who has had a really nice career. So I think he'll probably settle in somewhere between like that, maybe like that eight to 12 range uh, as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He'll be ahead of someone like Eli Manning, who has two Super Bowl titles. Um, I guess it'll depend on how Aaron Rodgers finishes up his career. Uh, but he would probably rank ahead of, you know, certainly rank ahead of someone like Ben Roethlisberger, although I wonder how much of that is the fact that Ben is kind of not really a, a great dude and nobody really likes him. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Drew Brees, if he wants to play one more year, um, you know, I know they got Jameis Winston down there and they, they could draft a quarterback and they could probably move on. Um, but if he wants to play one more year, give him one more year. Let's see, let's see what he can do. But um, I, I, he's, he's been, a, he's been so much fun to watch uh, a, a guy from Purdue. So, you know, local guy that we followed in the big 10 and if it's the end of the era, it's the end of the era and, and they'll move on because they got a great coach down there in, uh, in new Orleans and Sean Payton. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I, I think you, you said it really well. Like he has that right. He has, you know, he's ready to, with the physical toll that he's taken this year, let him just kind of walk away on top, uh, you know, proverbial on top right like he didn't win the Super Bowl but he had a really nice finish to to his final season so just uh it's been a lot it's been a joy it's been a joy to watch Drew Reese play if this is the end is yeah no doubt about it and I, I do like that uh that Marino comparison you know all the stats and whatnot I mean Marino didn't get a ring but you know the you you, you got your championship ring you set so many records at the quarterback position um it's time to ride off into the sunset you know, be, be that, be a, be an analyst and who knows, you know, the, I saw someone kind of do a spoof of the, of him and Brady on the, on the field after the game where it was like a 1980s movie, just like, here's what they're doing now. Maybe one day we'll see breeze on the sideline coaching, maybe his alma mater in Purdue. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think they're my age, which I never, I always hate when someone like there's a great athlete that's my age. Cause I'm like, look what they've accomplished in their life. And look what I've accomplished, but um, I, I, I mean, I'm seeing that with the coaching staff here at Michigan. Like you got guys that are in their mid to younger thirties. And I'm like, I'm 34 and I'm a producer at a radio show. Like, how am I not making millions of dollars as a, as a position coach right now? Come on. Well, Hey, you just missed your calling. You should have been a position wow. coach. So I yeah. mean, it changed my last name to Harbaugh. Maybe that might be it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, it's uh Ms. It was fun, man. Glad to have you on the, on the podcast. We'll definitely do this again. Um, you know, glad that you're able to share some women's basketball talk with us and, and enjoy the, you know, enjoy the upcoming weekend of NFL action. Um, I know that we will be doing so, and we'll probably talk to Will Heininger about it uh, on Sunday. I like that. 
I like that the games are staggered too, that the second game starts at a reasonable time. And so, you know, my biggest, how many times have you heard me lament this on inside the huddle? We're like, I bitch and complain when <laughs> games start at 8 PM. Like it's one thing on a Saturday night. It's another thing like on a Sunday or on a weekday where you've got, you know, the NBA, the NHL finals, they're starting at eight, eight 30. Um, the, the world series is starting at eight 30 and it goes till, you know, 11 30, 12 o'clock. I like that the NFL on Sunday starts that game at three. And then I think it's like six 20 or six 30 right around then. So you know, you can be done with it by 10 o'clock at night. Um, and, and then, I mean, old man spath here, go to bed at a reasonable time. Yeah, I think we're just all becoming curmudgeonly old, old men. Just like, come on, damn it. Why you gotta be so late? I got stuff to do in the morning. I totally understand. I, I was kind of the same way. Like, come on, why you gotta make it so late? I got stuff to do in the morning. I'm that curmudgeonly old man now. I think when you get to the age of say like mid thirties, like you have total every excuse. If you want to go to bed at nine 30, 10 o'clock, you also, I mean, you, you a lot of times fill in in the morning show. And so you got to be there at 6am or 7am. Like that gives you an excuse. I've got the excuse of like being a father now. And mm-hmm. so uh, John wakes up usually like six 30 in the morning and was like, Hey, if I don't go to bed at 10 o'clock or 10 30, like I don't get a good night's sleep. So um, I got to be on my a game and, uh, so yeah, 10, 10 o'clock at being done with the NFL. And like, that's the beautiful thing about the Super Bowl too, right? They start at six or six fifteen, something like that. And they're always done. I, I don't get, I know it's a weekend. And so it's a little bit different, but like, I don't understand why NBA, NHL world series don't start at like seven 30. And they'll say like, Oh, we got to get the West coast. Well, the West coast doesn't need to watch the first quarter of a basketball game or the first period or the first three innings. Like all they care about is when the, the action gets good and tense and that's in the second half or in the final you know four or five innings of a, of a baseball game yeah hopefully we'll see how things pan out but yeah i i'm really hoping that they just kind of keep keep the games on the earlier side of things that almost kind of goes back to my curmudgeonly self about night games in, in college football like damn it i got stuff to do the next day <laughs> i'm right there with you man i'm right there with you and never more so than being a parent never more so than being a parent so. <laughs> Well, Miz, uh, have a great rest of your weekend, man. We're actually, today's January 20th that we're recording this, and this is my third anniversary. Um, so the wife and I are not doing anything terribly special. There's a pandemic going on outside. We've got a one-year-old kid. Uh, I think our in-laws are coming over so that we can spend like 20 minutes having dinner without the little guy, like, you know, gnawing <laughs> at us or like give me your attention give me your attention so we're gonna have like 20 minutes to ourselves um but uh yeah it should be should be a great great day and, and thanks again for joining us Miz. and we're gonna hear some more from elise schultz the uh marketing director of mission restaurant group and when this all opens up go up to traverse city because there's a great food scene and there is a phenomenal restaurant up there all right so i'm looking at this group and um, there's so many great places. Smith and Company is a fairly new place in Detroit that opened up uh, last December. Um, I know we went there. I know this for a fact. We went there on December 22nd because three days later, my son was born on Christmas Day. Um, and we were there really early on. And some of the best uh, biscuits and gravy that uh, I have ever had, I found at Smith and Company. Um, you know, Pretzel Bell, as we mentioned, longtime sponsor of Inside the Huddle and WTKA. Uh, Avalon right in downtown, uh, both Detroit and Ann Arbor. 
but I'm going to give you an opportunity, Elise, to brag about one because this one I know for a fact you have been to. I know you love this place. And that is, there, there seems to be like two campuses. There's a little, there's the Ann Arbor, there's the Traverse City, and then there's like kind of like some of the, the ones in Detroit. But in Traverse City, there's a restaurant that I would put up against any restaurant in the state of Michigan. And that is Mission Table, which is on Old Mission Peninsula. Yes. I, you know me, I love Mission Table. Um, I cannot say enough good things about that restaurant. Um, you know, food being the most important first and foremost. And then obviously, you know, the view is, is not a bad, not a bad perk either when you're dining there. Um, I think for Mission Table, the thing that kind of sets it apart or helps it stand out from the rest of our restaurants, obviously, aside from location is just the menu is so unique in the sense that being up here in Traverse City, we do have the opportunity to take advantage of some of the seasonal um, produce and seasonal offerings and really create these menus that are so catered to that. Um, they are, I mean, the food is just always so fresh. Um, it's prepared, you know, right in house there. And it's just, it's really amazing. I've never gone there and had anything less than an outstanding mm -hmm. meal. Um, you're sitting there, you know, the water's right there and the food kind of, I, it sounds silly, but the food kind of ties in with the view. It's like, you're enjoying this beautiful view. It's out, mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing. It's this great dining experience. And in my opinion, the food should always um, complement or go with that. And I think that the dining experience there is always, you know, just superb. Um, I think anyone that has come up here and, and missed Mission Table on their visits or has not been up here but is planning to come up here, you need to put Mission Table on your list. Um, it's just mm -hmm. a really all in all 10 out of 10 experience from the food to the view to the staff, the service, everything. It's just really one of a kind. I, I agree completely. I mean, there's the, it's it, again, as a foodie, I've been to a lot of great places in this state and I think it's hard to beat for its ambiance. I think it's hard to beat for just the way that the presentation of the food. And then it's the type of place who you want to take, you, you want to take like 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds between every bite because you want to appreciate every bite that you had. And so if you are hard, like if you are someone who just really, really savors their food and can love the experience, I highly, highly recommend a mission table. You will not. I don't even say you will not be disappointed. That's the wrong way to look at it. You will be um, just overwhelmed by how good this place is. Um, and so, high, yeah, t 10 thumbs up. I don't have 10 thumbs, but probably as many thumbs as I can use, um, thumbs up. So just, just a great group, uh, Mission Restaurant Group. They've been such a big part of the community in Traverse City, in Ann Arbor especially, um, in Detroit. And that's one of the things I love about you guys too, is that you guys have always been giving back um, I know that I'm on the board of directors of the Cancer Support Community of Ann Arbor and, and Mission Restaurant Group has been a huge supporter of um, the Cancer Support Community and other charity organizations. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those times where you guys have always given so much and this is an opportunity for those out there to give back to you because obviously it's been challenging in the state of Michigan. Um, a lot of your restaurants are doing carry out. Some of them are just kind of waiting this out and, and, and wait until we, we get to a place where, where business opens back up. But um, Elise, I mean, you know, your job has been challenging because you came into a COVID world, um, but you're doing a great job. And 
and you know it, it is a great moment and opportunity for us to uh to to do something for our restaurant groups that uh as, as you and i said beforehand we just want to see every single one of these restaurants come through it because they they do such outstanding work and we want to be able to experience them once again come march or april or may or whatever whenever it is yes absolutely i appreciate that um you know and that's one thing i've put learned since I came on board here. I do take a lot of pride in and I'm really impressed with the ways that, you know, we have given back in the past and the way we still continue to give, you know, even in this crazy world we're living in and in the current circumstances. Um, I just think we've done a phenomenal job with you know, um, appreciating those that appreciate us in the community and giving back when we're able. Um, obviously, with that being said, it is a challenging time for the restaurant industry. Um, we are no strangers to that, but we are lucky to have our communities. Um, and, you know, wherever we, you know, our restaurants in Ann Arbor, our restaurants in Traverse City, our restaurants in Detroit, they're all amazing communities. And we feel really fortunate to have had that support um, throughout this entire entire past year almost now is that what we're coming up on yes mm -hmm. past year um and you know the only thing i can say about that is that there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel for us you know we just are doing what we can offering takeout and delivery um making sure that everything is safely prepared for our customers and running you know all kinds of promotions for you guys and making sure that we still have options out there um but you know, we're still in the tunnel, um, as I like to say, and, you know, we'll, we'll get through it and we'll get to that light, but we still need our communities. We still need that support. Um, we still need you guys. So that's the biggest thing for us. And we appreciate it more than we can ever put into words. So many of you have been so great about reaching out and about supporting us, even sharing just what we post on social media or what we share, you know, on Facebook, that, that helps too. Um, you know, the more eyes, the better. And it just, it helps us so much more um, than people realize. I think even just something as simple as a like or a share is, is really appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, great stuff, Elise. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. For anybody looking for this group of restaurants, uh, mission, um, missionrestaurantgroup.com, and you can uh, see their long list, uh, find, you know, find their location, find, you can click right on menus, uh, for carryout options. And it's Friday night. Um, you know, it's been a long week. Maybe you've been like us where you're, you have been making meals for yourself at home all week. And it's like, all right, it's time to celebrate. It's time to thank God it's Friday. Uh, let's take advantage of it. I think we're going to be getting some Jolly Pumpkin uh, from, uh, from the Royal Oak location here on this, uh, this Friday. Uh, so Elise, thank you so much. Really, uh, really appreciate you joining us and uh, good luck to Mission Restaurant Group going forward here. Thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate it. And thanks for your continued support. This is the Stadium and Main podcast presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.